Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're continuing our Q&A section with our Starting a Business series, and this is going to be part two of Q&A. Now, before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by the Tax Minimization Program, which is a training program to ensure that you pay the least amount in taxes as legally possible, while also having a solid bookkeeping foundation. You also have access to our team for general tax and accounting questions. It's like having an accountant in your back pocket with you on this entrepreneurial journey. Learn more at taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash tax. I am your host, Mike Jezoshek, and today's topic, again, is our part two on our Q&A section of our Starting a Business series. Now, I want to remind you, if you haven't checked out the first Q&A, check that out before you before you jump into this one. And we also have nine other episodes in this series about starting a business. And again, this series stemmed from a conversation we had with a new business owner that just didn't know where to start. And so these questions came from people that put them up in our free Facebook group. Basically, these questions are ones that didn't make sense to do a full episode on, but we still wanted to touch on them. So if you're not part of our free Facebook group, go join now. Go to Facebook, type in Small Business Tax Secrets, and ask to join our free Facebook group. I also want to give you a reminder that next week, we're going to have an absolutely incredible special guest on our podcast that you will not want to miss. So be sure to tune in to next week as we completely wrap up our Starting a Business series with that special guest. All right, let's dive back into our Q&A section. The first question I want to talk about is, the question is, should I open my entity in a state other than where I live because I live in a high-tax state? Or what should I look for in choosing the state to incorporate in? Now, this is a question that we see pop up constantly. And this is something that you should be discussing directly with your lawyer as well to see if there's some sort of legal reason you should be incorporating in another state. But from a tax standpoint, you will need to be registered in whatever state you operate out of either way. So if you live and operate your business out of California, you can register in another state, example, Delaware, but you would still need to file as a foreign entity in California where you are operating. Therefore, from a tax standpoint, you do not get any advantage incorporating in a state other than the one you operate out of. You actually will end up having to pay additional yearly fees to keep that company active since you're now going to have to keep it active in multiple states, the one you organized in and the one you filed as a foreign entity in. This is why typically as accountants, we often recommend from a tax standpoint that clients organize in the state that they operate out of. So if you're hearing around, oh, you can operate, you can organize in Nevada because there's no state income tax there, run your business out of there and then you pay no state income tax on your income. If you're hearing things like this, you're going to want to look into it deeper. That is not true. Uh, Basically, you would have to file as a foreign entity wherever your entity operates out of, regardless of where you register your business. And that's, again, typically why we recommend clients organize in the state that they're going to operate out of, unless for some legal purpose reason that doesn't make sense. And again, a lawyer will be able to help out with that. The next question, which is which is very related, is my entity is 100% online, so I do not operate out of any state. How does that change things? And, you know, this is a great follow-up to that, that question we just talked on. And the biggest thing here is that even though you have an online company, you still operate it out of somewhere. You know, the, the company just doesn't operate into space. So if you as the owner live in California 
and you manage the business, then your company would be operating out of California. Even though you're working online, you are still running the business out of wherever you're located. If you have employees located in other states as well, you may need to register as a foreign entity in those states since you have operations in those states as well. So just remember this, that just because you have an online company does not mean that you don't operate it or it's not managed or the owners, the people that are working in it are not operating it, managing it in some state. Uh, The next question is, do I need to worry about sales tax in my business? This is a really good question. We did a blog post and a podcast episode on this early in the year, so check that out on our website. We'll have some links to it as well in, uh, in the article that we did with this uh, podcast episode. So if you haven't checked out that article, go to our blog, taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash blog. There's a Q&A article in there. We'll have a link to the article and podcast episode that we did on sales tax. Does an LLC need to file quarterly taxes? So this is a good question. You know, the LLC is an entity the LLC as an entity would not file quarterly taxes outside payroll type items if you have that. With that being said, the owners of an LLC or an LLC taxes and S corporation should be paying quarterly estimated taxes if they're making a profit in the business. So the LLC, an LLC, a single member LLC, uh, LLC taxes and S corporation, an LLC partnership, those are what they call flow through entities. So they don't pay any taxes at the company level, but the income or the profit from that business flows through to the owners personally which is where you pay the taxes on that income from the business at a personal level. So will the actual entity, will the actual LLC be paying quarterly taxes? No, unless there's some payroll type stuff. But the owners of that LLC or LLC taxes and S corporation or partnership should be paying quarterly estimated taxes based on the profit that they made in the business. And we covered this in a few episodes ago um, where we talked about estimated taxes. So be sure to check that out. Again, there's a link on our blog for the Q&A section. Here we have a question. I have an LLC formed in XYZ state, but I moved to ABC state and, and started working there. How does this work for the entity? Again, as we kind of talked about this entity, you would simply file as a foreign entity in the new state and that new state that you moved to and are working out of. You would still have the, the entity organized in that initial state, but then you would also have a foreign entity in the new state that you're working out of. If you want to transfer that entity to that new state, that's something I would talk to a lawyer about. What are the benefits to an S corporation? Um, great question. We love S corporations here. If you've been listening for a while, you know, we talk about S corps a lot. And honestly, I could go on for days about the benefits of an S corporation. And we actually did a whole series on S corps that you can find on our website, taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash S corp. That's taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash S corp. We did an entire series on an S corporation last year, we talked about all the advantages, a little bit about it, how you set it up, what are some of the disadvantages to it, and how do you get past that. But basically, the biggest advantage of an S corporation is minimizing a portion of self-employment taxes. Essentially, with an S corp, you have income that you split into two pieces. A reasonable salary, which is also known as payroll or a W-2 employee of the business, and an owner's draw or distribution. So you take your income, and you split it into you pay yourself a reasonable salary as an employee of your business, and the rest you take as an owner's draw 
or distribution. Now, if you were set up as a sole proprietor or single member LLC, you'd pay self-employment taxes on 100% of your income. However, with an S-corporation, you essentially pay self-employment taxes on the required reasonable salary that you take, that W-2 portion, but you avoid self-employment taxes on any income or owner's draws distribution that you take above that reasonable salary. So the main benefit of an S-corporation is to minimize self-employment taxes, and basically we do that by by cutting your income into two pieces, that salary and that draw. That salary still gets hit with self-employment taxes, essentially, but that draw you avoid it on. Now, you're still going to have to pay your normal income tax rate on all that profit of the business, but we're eliminating a portion of self-employment taxes, which is 15.3%. That definitely adds up. Next question is, I am wondering if I claim the home office deduction, does this impact the amount of the owner's deduction filed on personal taxes? And this question is, it depends. We did a blog post and a podcast episode on the home office, which again, there'll be a link there, look into our previous episodes. But basically, if you do the simplified option, which is just a set dollar amount per square foot, it would not impact your itemized deductions on your personal return at all. However, if you use the actual method and take advantage of mortgage interest, real estate taxes as part of a business deduction, you cannot take that portion again on your personal taxes. So again, check out our article there, but basically simplified option, which is just an X amount per square foot, that would not impact your deduction on your personal taxes. But if you use the actual method, which is where we take all the expenses, mortgage interest, uh, depreciation, uh, real estate taxes, all that added up and, and take the business portion of, then that would, you wouldn't be able to take that twice. You wouldn't be able to take it as a business deduction and your personal. So you'd have to reduce your personal itemized deduction by the amount you took with the business. Question here, how does giving to charities and nonprofits work with S-corporations? With S-corporations, it would work the same way as giving personal. You would make a payment to the charity using your business funds and classify that as a charitable deduction. However, that's going to show up on your K-1, which you will eventually report as an itemized deduction on your personal tax return. Oftentimes, when we're looking at giving to charities, we encourage business owners to mix a sponsorship or advertising with their charitable contribution so that they can record that as an advertising expense versus a charitable deduction and get a full business deduction without having to worry about itemized deductions. So when we're giving to charity, if we can somehow find a way to make this an advertising or, or a sponsorship, so we're giving to charity, put our name on a banner or something like that, now we can classify this as an advertising expense versus a charitable deduction because the charitable deduction, again, will flow through your K-1 and get added as, a, as an itemized deduction where you'll get the deduction technically on your personal tax return. So if we can find a way to move it to advertising, we'll get a business deduction right away and not have to worry about itemized deductions. So that's oftentimes where we guide clients to do it. Uh, que- next question is, when is a good time to go from a sole proprietorship to an LLC? Now, this is a tough question. Uh, a sole proprietorship, and again, we're going to be talking from a tax standpoint. You might want to talk to a lawyer about, does not make sense to just do an LLC from the beginning? Maybe so. Talk to a lawyer about that. I will say this. If you plan to grow your business past forty dollars or $50,000 in profit at any time, so you plan to have a business that will be profiting that in the future, we recommend opening up an LLC so that you at least have that option to elect S-Corp status should you wish. Unfortunately, as a sole proprietorship, you cannot elect S-Corp status. You need to have an entity structure. 
So let's say you are set up as a sole proprietorship and determine in June that you're going to have high profits and want to explore an S corporation. Unfortunately, any income under that sole prop, you cannot put under an S corporation. So if you, if you decide in June you want to open an LLC, any activity after that LLC is open can be put under an S corporation, but anything prior would remain a sole proprietorship. So for that reason, we always recommend incorporating right away if you plan for a business to take off and generate income. If it's completely in the air and just a test business at this point, you may want to hold off until you really have a proven business. And like I said, of course, an LLC can provide some legal benefits as well that a lawyer can talk through with you. But the general question is, if you plan to have a business that's going to profit forty dollars or $50,000 and you're interested in potentially doing an S corporation to save on self-employment taxes, you're going to need that LLC structure to do it. Question here is, if I am an S corp owner and I take a $50,000 draw from the business, do I get taxed on that at an individual level when I file my 1040? I want to go through this question again. If I am an S corp owner and take a $50,000 draw, do I get taxed on that at the individual level when I file my 1040? And the question, the answer is, is you would not be taxed directly on that draw. However, that draw would not be considered a business expense and thus would not lower income for the business, which is eventually what you will pay taxes on at the personal or 1040 level. So this can be hard to understand sometimes. So if you're having troubles with this concept, Factor in having to pay taxes on any amount that you draw. You will, in fact, have to pay taxes on your S-Corp profit, regardless of whether or not you take it as a draw or how much the draw is. So let's say our S-Corp has $100,000 in profit. We're going to pay taxes on $100,000. That's whether we take money out of the business or not. We're still paying $100,000. Now let's say we make $100,000 and we take a $100,000 draw. We're paying taxes on $100,000. let us say we take we make $100,000, we take a $40,000 draw and keep $60,000 into the business. We're paying taxes still on $100,000. So we pay taxes on the profit of the business. And remember, a draw does not reduce profit. An owner's draw is a balance sheet item, not an income statement item. Next question is, do you need an EIN number to use the Augusta rule? If you were wondering what the Augusta rule is, that's the 14-day home rental rule. Check out a previous podcast on that. Every business should ideally have an EIN number. We always recommend that. They're free to grab. You don't need to use your social security number. Why not get an EIN? But with the Augusta rule, your business has to be a separate legal entity. So you have to have an LLC or a corporation or an S corporation or something like that. So if you're just a sole proprietorship, you wouldn't be able to use the Augusta rule. So just something to consider there. Next question is, what is the best formula to use when calculating estimated quarterly taxes for an LLC? Now, remember, we talked about that, that an LLC is not taxed directly, but you personally would be. So that's what we're going to be talking about here. We covered estimated taxes in a previous podcast episode a couple weeks ago. So we recommend checking out those calculation options that we talk about there. We don't like to just give a general number because everyone's situation is different. So it's harder to say, put this amount of money aside because... We don't know what your personal situation is like. With that being said, I know everybody wants a number, and we've talked about this in previous episodes. So a rough number that we would use to put away would be 30% of your profit. That would be what you would put aside for taxes, 30% of your profit. 
Now, you might owe less than that. You might owe more than that. But it's a rough idea. It's a rough number to use. And as, as I mentioned, uh, check out our article that we did previously on a better way to estimate calculated ta- or calculate your estimated taxes. I would highly recommend using those strategies before we just use kind of a general number. Better to be a little bit more precise with that. But if you're just looking how much should I put how much of my profits should I put aside, that'll give you a rough idea. And our last question today. My husband is a small business owner and also an employee for another company. He has a 401k for his W2 job with his other company. Their question is, can my husband qualify to do the individual or solo 401k on top of the 401k that he's already doing with his other employer? Now, this for this one, we asked our retirement expert, Matt Ruttenberg, over at Life Inc. Retirement Service. So he hopped in and said, yes, you can do this. You can layer the two on top of each other. But the key here is, as long as you do not go over the maximum contribution rate. So everybody has a maximum contribution rate that you can put into a 401k. So you can layer two 401ks on top of each other, according to Matt, but you just have to make sure you're not going over that maximum contribution limit. So that's it for our part two of the Q&A. Of course, if you have questions that pop up, never hesitate to ask them in our in our. Uh, Facebook group. We're constantly asking questions there, collaborating with other business owners. So you have, if you have not joined our Facebook group, go to Small Business Tax Secrets in Facebook. Join our Facebook group. And again, next week, we are having an incredible guest on to officially kind of wrap up this starting a business series. You guys are going to love that discussion. So do not uh, miss next week's episode. Finally, with As we close up this starting a business series, I highly recommend you sign up for our tax minimization program, which also includes our stress-free bookkeeping training. Is not only are you going to get a bunch of in-depth training, templates, group coaching, but you're also going to have unlimited access to our team for general tax and accounting questions. How sweet would it be to have an accounting professional by your side for those questions that are going to pop up? as you are starting this journey of being a business owner. So check out our tax minimization program, taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash tax. Thanks again for listening to another episode. I hope that this Q&A section was helpful. Again, these are topics that we did not want to do a full episode on, but we did want to touch on and and, and let our listeners uh, dive into the show a little bit as well. So hopefully this was helpful. Continue to collaborate in our small business tax secrets. And again, you do not want to miss next week's episode when we have a special guest on and officially wrap up this starting a business series. I want to thank you for listening to another episode. I want to thank you for listening into our starting a business series. It has been incredibly fun and incredibly cool to see the inspiration that business owners are having from this and being like, wow, things are finally starting to make sense. So if you have missed previous episodes of our starting a business series, check those out. Again, thank you for listening to another another episode and I will see you next week.